0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm running out of ways to express disappointment, but it sure seems like they have let go of the rope.
1: I'm just used to it at this point. There's, there's nothing else to say. We've said it before and they continue to prove us right as much as we don't want them to. And all we've wanted is something different and, any sign of hope that they were going to pick a direction, but at least confident. I wish they would have picked one confidently because it seems like they are. It looks like they're trying to lose, especially with that Pacers game. My God,
0: they're not. It would make more sense if they were tanking. But if the, the sad thing is, and I'll start with a positive. I actually thought in the Pacers game, we could get a glimpse of a a future actual NBA offense. I saw the ball moving. I saw everybody getting touches. I saw Kobe White making five of eight three-pointers. They were attempting, they shot 35 threes. They made 15 of them. It looked like real NBA offense. They weren't ball watching. The ball wasn't stopping until it mattered most at the end.
1: Who wasn't playing that night? Gee,
0: I think it. I think it rhymes with Demar Derozan.
1: Wow, you got it. It's it, it's so clear that when when he doesn't play, the ball moves a lot better and the offense flows. And I think that's what the Bulls have been missing. However, it doesn't seem to matter because they can't win a game after they're up 24 in the first quarter. I believe it was 24. And they ended up losing by a score of 117 to 113, which means over the next three quarters, they lost by 28 points. Meaning they could have won the game had they had given up an average of seven points. If the Pacers scored seven more points in the Bulls in every quarter after the first quarter, they would have won by three. And yet they allowed nine they allowed the Pacers to score 9.3 more points per quarter for three quarters. That's unacceptable. And obviously, in our last episode, we talked about how good their defense has been. That's not the issue. They just they they can't produce.
0: Well, it was the issue, I think, in some in this game, maybe perhaps more than others. But what this game illustrated, too, is the difference between scouting the box score and watching the game, because an out-of-town stupid observer would look at Zach's box score. Look at this guy, this all-star, two-time all-star, whatever he is, 35 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and a block. And he made four of his 11 threes, which is you know, right around the number we say on him. But the but the fact is, in large part, they lost near the end of the game because of his bad decision-making, his bad shot selection, his missing of a free throw, and it's it was just too bad. It just got this – He there's a superstar glass ceiling where you, you see everything you want to see for 40 minutes, and then in the last two minutes he plays – you see why he is on a different tier than the real superstars.
1: And individual scoring numbers does not always translate to team wins. And it showed with Zach. It's been showing with DeMar for the last two seasons. I mean, we can even bring up when Cam Thomas went on that stretch of three 40-plus point games. I think they only won one of those games, if not zero. It, individual scoring does not matter. If everything around you isn't working and the thing is that you as the star player, as the guy that's going to get those shots, as the guy that's going to score the basketball more than everybody else, you are the one that's going to have to make sure that everything else is working for you and for the team. And Levine, as, as much as I like him for the fact that he can shoot threes, takes a lot of contested twos as well. And I feel like for every three he makes, he takes a contested two that fading away from the basket. And I wouldn't think that's DeMar's influence because I don't think they get along all that well. And obviously we know Zach and Billy are butting heads and have been for months now. It's just really hard to watch. And it's very hard to be a fan of this team with where they are right now. And uh, it's it's very annoying.
0: Well, the influence too of a genuine rim protector against the Bulls was seen. It foreshadowed the next night certainly with Miles Turner getting three blocks, and he's when he is moving around near the basket, you just forget how athletic he is at what should be a lumbering size. And then Buddy Heald came in and did what Joe Harris did uh, almost identically. In the game in Brooklyn,
1: did you know that Buddy Hield just broke uh, Reggie Miller's record for Pacers single season threes record?
0: And he, frankly, he's probably not far away. He's probably well up the charts of their career
1: numbers. He, I looked it up today. He, of all time, he's played a little bit less than six hundred games. He's already thirty first on all time three pointers made in the NBA.
0: In NBA history,
1: NBA history, he's thirty first. Wow. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's what he
1: does. That's and what just... he does. He's so good at, at what he does, and the Bulls don't have anybody like that, nor, as you said, do they have a rim protector. And the fact that I was salivating and gushing over Dayron Sharp on the Nets in mm-hmm. that game, mm-hmm. who has been up and down the G League for the past couple of years, and he's not all that special, but the Bulls lack... A six ten athletic, long armed defensive anchor. Whether it's a starter or coming off the bench, they don't have anybody like that, and they haven't since Daniel Gafford. And well, that's I I said it when they traded him that a couple of years ago that that's the type of guy they're missing, and they haven't addressed three point shooting. They haven't addressed rim protection, when it seemed like those have been the two biggest weaknesses. And I, it, the future of this team really, really, really scares me. A lot of things would have to go right when it comes to luck for them to get out of this situation without really, really, really screwing up their future.
0: The last time the Bulls took more threes than they did in that game against Indiana was on January 15th when they shot 39 threes against the Golden State Warriors. And it, this should just be regular, like for most teams, that's just basketball. It's just normal NBA ball, and it just feels odd for the Bulls because I, I don't know they they don't have enough guys who are are comfortable doing it. I, I mentioned too that the what rim protection does to stymie their offense, and man. Last night in the 112 to 100 loss to Milwaukee, that wasn't anywhere near that close. Right. Because as I'm sure the stats of cleaning the glass will tell us that so much of that was decided in in garbage time. Brooke Lopez, uh, what a story. What an absolute, complete renovation of someone's game in his mid 30s. In 33 minutes, he was 13 of 18, including three of six from three he had 33 points, 7 rebounds, 4 blocks and countless other shots altered or dissuaded where it just appeared like he he was dictating everything the bulls could and couldn't do offensively and it forced the bulls back into really kind of a their their lame turn taking that we've seen all too often.
1: I just want to bring up the fact that um in that Warriors game on January 15th, who also wasn't playing that game.
0: Was DeMar out of that game?
1: Yeah. It's when Vooch had 43. Think about it. Wow. Great call. That's when Vooch had 43. That's when they take.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously
1: it's obvious the guy that takes a lot of contested twos with, uh, and takes the highest percentage of shots on the team. You're, you're going to shoot a lot of threes when he's not there. And they won that game against a good team and it we haven't seen anything like that since